You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. Welcome to the Aftermath Season 2, Episode 8. I am your host tonight, CJ Jones, with my good buddy, my good friend, Chris Timpenny. Chris, how you doing, bro? Man, I, I've been doing a lot better when it comes to football because the, these Chiefs have been hard, hard to watch this year so far, man. No, oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been bad for our health. It hasn't been the, the best oh, start that we've had. It's definitely given us a lot of earlier year vibes before the pre-Mahomes era, but you still got a ways to go. That's the only bright spot. So uh, I'm, I'm going to let you get into it first. What were some of your takeaways from the, the, the bad evening on Sunday? <laughs> Sunday is 27-3 loss to the Titans. Just, just brought the season to a whole different level because for me – you know, you, you lose on a fumble to Baltimore. You lose on, you know, a six-point game to division rival Chargers, you know. And, and the Bills get you, but the Bills may be the best team in football. You know, you know the Chiefs are still working through some early losses. Like, you can kind of talk your way through three good teams, only two two close losses. Like, you, you still can see light at the end of the tunnel. And then exactly. you just get smoked. Like, I just mean Nobody smoked. saw that coming, man. You know, by the Tennessee Titans, it's like, I don't even know what, like, there's so many directions you can take, so many fingers you can point. It's like, I don't I don't even know where to begin when trying to evaluate how this team has gone from three AFC Championship games, back-to-back Super Bowls, to 27-3 to Tennessee, who lost to the Jets earlier this year, by the way. Facts. <laughs> and they barely been in, <laughs> and they shouldn't even have done that. It's right. Crazy. No, it's, 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 it was a crazy Sunday, man. It was just – it started off bad because they came out the gate and there was a stat before the game started. I know everyone knows it. Tennessee hasn't had an opening drive touchdown, and it would be that day first mm-hmm. and chief that they, they finally break the streak. So, um, it did. Exactly. If it, Of all the defense, as soon as he said it, out of my mind, I was like, that's going to be the team that he does it against. It's going to be us. Watch. So, um. Overall, it was a, it was an ugly day, man. It was just a bad day at the office. Like you just said, it was a lot of fingers they could point at. It was definitely not one person's fault. That's the that's the entire team, coaching staff, defense, special teams, offense. Everyone played their part in that game. So it's so it's a lot of a lot of directions that they need to go right now for sure. Right, and let's let's start with the biggest biggest talking point. That is the play of Patrick Mahomes. First time in his NFL career that he hasn't either a, a had 250 yards or at least a passing touchdown. He finished with 206 passing yards and an interception. What what's wrong with the man right now? Because like you see, you still see the talent, you still see the flashes, but by far, and it's not like I know there's a few other statistical games where he wasn't great. But that was by far the worst game of his professional career. No, yeah, there's a lot of things wrong right now. It's just, I think he's in his own head. And I know everyone this week has had their own take saying it's off the field issues. People say he's pressing too much. Some people think it's pressure. Maybe he's just trying to overcome for what the defense is lacking or what the offensive line hasn't done for some people's standards per se. But it's just a combination. I'm sure it's probably a combination of all the things. Like we're all human. We have a lot of, like he's he's had a lot of things go on with him the past year. He's, Obviously, like you said, been to back-to-back Super Bowls. He's um, engaged to his beautiful fiance. He's had a child for the first time. So, um, and obviously, the pressure of trying to win, and then he didn't do himself any favors, Chris, by saying twenty and zero 
during this golf tournament. So you <laughs> add the pressure to yourself. And then obviously the, the already the pressure of being the back-to-back Super Bowl um, appearances and people already knowing that every game people play against the Chiefs, they're going to try to give it 150% because they know that's the standard and that's the team they want to beat. They want to beat the golden child, the golden boy as Mahomes. So uh, it's, it's a lot of things going on right now that, that you could definitely equate to the, the issues that they've been having on offense. Right, and I got I got a little bit of I don't want to say hot take, but like words that are coming out of my mouth that if you don't if you don't listen to me completely, you're you're gonna think is a little crazy. It, it's definitely true, a, it's a, okay. It's definitely a mental thing. Like that, it has to be. You know, the footwork's regressed a little. Decision making's obviously he's there's some unluckiness to it, but if he can't get back right mentally, he is in closer and closer and closer through. You know, again, only six games this year. He's got a lot ways to go before he gets to this. But it's reminding me of Carson Wentz a little bit, man. You you remember Carson Wentz, not yep, quite to yep. the same extent, but came into the league, set the league on store. I was yep. up for the MVP for that injury. And then after Nick Foles and, and they got won that Super Bowl, he just mentally felt like he had to be the superhero. Because Carson Wentz is still uber, uber talented. I mean, you see it when you watch oh, yeah, him on facts, Sunday. Like, facts. he makes some throws, makes some athletic plays. But he also makes some terrible decisions. I mean, that throw he had on Sun- what was it Sunday night where he yeah he was the, the double pass. <laughs> yeah, like obviously, I'm not trying to say Pat's that level yet. But as far as talent and where you started and then where you are, like if he doesn't get his head on right, he's he's inching closer and closer to where again I think it would take you know two years before he could really say he fall he fell that far. Yeah, but like, yeah. That's, a, that's a comparison that I'm starting to see a little bit just in in the decision making. No, I completely agree. There's been a lot of mistakes, and I think when he had that for the throw, I know you said for you was the one in the um, in the game where we were playing. Who was it? They were playing on the road, Washington. Yes, and he flipped the ball in the air. And then I was watching Carson Wentz play the Colts on Sunday night. I immediately thought of the same exact play, bro. So me and you were on the same exact wave. Um, yeah. yeah, just trying to try to do too much, trying to make a play, and when the play is clearly not there to be made, and yeah, there's a lot of things going on with Pat right now. It's just like trying to be ultra aggressive. And I think that kind of ties into the coaching as well. I think Bienemy and, and Andy haven't really done him any favors by calling so many uh, deep shot plays and being ultra aggressive in the past game. And I think we could help out Pat a lot more by trying not to have him do as much. I think, he, like you just said, his mental is a mental thing right now. So if he's thinking about a lot of things, then maybe let's make it easier for him, Chris. Let's give him some quick passes, give him some easy reads, and uh, let's get under center more and probably get away from the RPO game as, as much as we've accustomed to seeing this probably take it out of the play but just a little bit not not whole completely but just try to help him out because i think that'll probably take out the turnovers and i think people saw that a lot with the way that when carson wentz was playing his best ball in philly was when they were running the football play action and well and then it kind of made the, the reads a lot easier so i think we need to do that for pat as well right no definitely and you know there's a there's a name that i never thought i would say as being a a, a, key, a factor in at how to turn this offense around now obviously he's not the end all but jarek mckinnon just because Clyde's not in, like, get him in the passing. Get him in space. I He's not going to be the reason the Chiefs win a football game, but he could be the reason defenses maybe have to play up a little bit more. Do you know, maybe have to at least more. respect the flats a little bit. Like, you know, because with Clyde out, it's not going to be Daryl. So so get get Jarek out there a little bit more just to, just to run a couple screens or run a couple, you know, exactly. out to the flat. Like, just, just to mix it up. Because those plays right now are going to Hill and Hardman, and, defenses know that's where they're going. Defenses know when they're running those little screens to, and, and reverses and whatnot to those guys. Get it exactly. to the running backs. Let let, the, let those guys get down the field, and maybe it'll start to, you know, 
force defensive coordinators to change how they're calling it and open up some of those bigger plays that the Chiefs continue to look for, even though they're not, they haven't been there recently. No, their offense is definitely being predictable, like you just said. It's everyone knows the deep shots to Tyreek and underneath stuff is usually to me, Cole or Trav. So you got to switch it up. And I like the way they committed to the run game in the Washington game. Now, granted, that was Washington's defense. But like you just said, it was something different you're throwing at the defense to make them have to think about something else besides the normal plays that we use. And Jeremy McKinnon would definitely be a great change of pace. I mean, he's a good back. I mean, he was he had a high expectation for him when he was in San Fran before all the injuries he had. He was expected to be a three-down guy that could do everything. So he still has trade on the tires. I think he could still play. And when he comes in sparingly at, at that, I think he could give this offense a spark. Just give him a different look. Just give him weapons. Hey, Chris, I would give this idea to you. I would like to see more two-back sets, honestly. I think both because we know how good of a receiver Jarek is. And D. Will's proven, well, he can catch the ball when he has his when he has his, his number called. So just give the defense a different look. And you got to switch up formations. That's why I say – that's why I said we should get back under center more. Probably give him more – maybe some two tight end sets. Give him some 11 personnel, some 21 personnel. Just something different. You can't just always go out there with three wide receivers and Trav and just say, okay, let's win a ball game. And usually that's worked for us the past two years. And I think that's kind of been the sentiment that a lot of uh, defensive coordinators have been seeing the past two years with this offense. Like, okay, they don't want to evolve. They kind of want to do the same thing and just roll out there and say, number 15, he's our guy's better than your guy. And usually that works, Chris. But this year that hasn't been the case. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a – the Chiefs have been very slow to adjust on either side of the ball. You know, we we've been, yeah, for we were sure. begging for Daniel Sorensen to get – less playing time on the defense and it took six weeks for that to happen. Now on the offense, we're begging the offense to take the underneath stuff quick, trying to hit, you know, two deep safeties for the big play. And it's like, I, I don't know why there's so much stubbornness. Maybe it's the success. Maybe, maybe it's not all Andy. Maybe it's, you know, partially on, on Patrick waiting too long on the deep routes. And by the time he comes to the underneath stuff, it's too late. The pockets collapsed or the deep, you know, whatever. But it's something needs to be changed. Something needs to be adjusted to where, I mean, the offense is still good. The offense is still humming. It's, the game against the Titans was the first game all season where the offense really didn't perform. Exactly. But still, when when the defense, I'm sorry, it's not getting any better. Like it, it may may have moments in which it has. I mean, it may have some moments. It may make some plays. It may hopefully able to commit make some turnovers happen sometime. But as far as yardage and other teams being able to move the ball, that's not changing this year. So the offense is going to have to go back to being efficient, being smart, and, and just getting up, making the most of their possession. Exactly. And that's the thing that's probably the most frustrating from my end is that I know we have very smart guys in that offensive room. I know we have very intelligent football minds in that building when it comes to the enemy, Andy, uh, the QB's coach, Coach Andy, and then, Co- and then Pat himself. I know we have guys in there that know what they're doing, that know how to uh, – call a game of football so it's just when they don't make the adjustments Chris that's probably the most frustrating part for me is that you know what to do and you have guys that have so much experience and so much pedigree and so much leadership in that building so when they make these mistakes and like you said it took till week six seven for us to say okay now we need to swap out Dan Sorensen for Juan Thornhill that should have been done in week three it shouldn't have taken that long for us to make that decision so uh, for these for the things that have to go to the wheel fall off and us to have a terrible day where we go down to Tennessee and you only leave with three points is definitely discouraging, especially with our offense and how many and how many playmakers we have. Nobody would have took that bet that the Chiefs were going to not even score a touchdown. That's just like you calling the Super Bowl saying the Chiefs weren't going to score that game either. Like those are just things right. you just – the Chiefs not scoring touchdowns are just things you just never hear in the same sentence or the same paragraph. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest takeaway. Just we, we have the guys to make the adjustments. We just have to not be hard-headed, don't be stubborn, and just 
Like, literally, just take what the defense gives you. They give you – you're not going to be get yelled at, and no one's ever going to be frustrated with you if you gain five yards of play, even if it is a short game play like a screen or a hitch or they give you a check down. Like, those are positive plays. Those things work. And if, if you have an eight to ten play drive and you finish it with a touchdown, Chris, I don't think anyone in Chiefs Kingdom will be mad if we score an eight to ten play drive in the instead of the usual four to five play drives. Right. No, for sure. And you know who else needs to shoulder some of this blame is Brett Veach because – Absolutely. And and again, he's he had it looks like he's had a decent draft this year. But if I had to tell you, ask you, what are the least important? And it's hard to rank because every position has value. I understand that. But if the least important positions on an NFL team, it'd be like running back, linebacker and center. Who are the Chiefs' first picks in the draft the last <laughs> All of them. <laughs> and That's like, funny. They all, exactly. Like, they all have promise. Like, we've seen flashes from, from CEH, and, and Humphrey looks like a steal, but he's still center, you know, and then and then the two linebackers in Gain Bolt. Like, they all look like they're going to be pieces. But how many teams, unless they're, you know, Hall of Fame, you know, all pro-level players at that position, how many times do you look at a Super Bowl team or Super Bowl contender and be like, they're good because of those positions, you know, like, so, yeah, you're right. So like, that's a, that's a little bit of an issue for me. You know, you yeah, they, they may, they may turn out to be good and players that have long careers, but positional value, he just, he overvalues things that a lot of, a lot of analytics, a lot of smart football people don't. And so I, I'm starting to question those decisions on a drafting and as well as how he's managed the money. Cause he has so much money on that defensive line. And yet the Chiefs are last in just about every pass rushing category there is. And so I'm just – he's got to shoulder this blame too because this roster is not configured like how you would like it to be at this point. No, yeah, it definitely starts at the top. And we had our first-round pick, the one we've had in a while, was the, the Clyde Arizalea, the 31st pick so, or, or the 32nd pick. So that was definitely a, um, a pick that a lot of people – it's been controversial ever since he's been on the foot, ever since he's been on the team. So – um, and it's nothing to do with Clyde itself. He's an amazing player. It's just for, like you just said, the value and the draft position. Because let's be honest, running back, like you just said, Chris, is the most expendable position in football. Because we've seen undrafted players become Hall of Famers. We've seen guys that are six-rounders, fifth-rounders, guys picked up off the street that usually come in and run for 100 yards. It's a position where you can usually find value for a lot less cheaper than drafting a first-rounder. So that's always been the conversation with Clyde. It's not the player, just the draft position. Um, I definitely – I mean, I, I love Clyde the player, but yeah, I definitely didn't think that they would draft him that high because when they were getting down to the draft, there were a lot of linebackers we were looking at, that guys that were gone. And I know you said that's a position that guys were going to pass on. So when they were passing, when some of the names that they thought weren't there, I thought they were either going to trade back during that spot or or possibly go for a pass rusher, but they but they chose not to. Um, but yeah, uh, Veach has had a, a couple of hits, but definitely way more misses than he had hits for his drafts for the past couple of years. So he definitely has to take some of his blame because – the big one, Frank Clark, is the one everyone's definitely going to point out as well. Uh, top five highest played defensive player in the league or f- player period, and he doesn't even have four sacks. So, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely looking bad for the for the defensive unit because we expected for preseason talk we were expecting Chris Jones to be a defensive player of the year. We were expecting Frank Clark to be one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. We thought Juan and Tyron were going to get back to doing their thing and become the best safety tandem in football. So. Um, it's definitely been some misses on on uh, on Veach's end for sure, and he definitely has to take some of his blame. Absolutely, yeah. So, but again, let let's talk about. I was gonna say let's talk about the positives, but there's really only one positive taken away, and that was the linebacker pe- play from Willie Gay and specifically Nick Bolton, who played out of his mind. Now, granted, it was 
a game that was built for his his success. You know, he's he's a great tackler who can play well, plays well in the run game. So yeah, of course he was going to perform well. But it was still good to see him go out there and do it, get in the backfield. What had like five tackles for loss, um, fifteen total tackles. Like he he had a very strong game, and so I was I was really impressed by Nick Bolton showing in the run game on Sunday. No, Nick definitely looked good. He had, uh, I think he leads the league in tackle for losses as well. So, um, especially for, for rookies, I, I believe so. So Nick Bolton was playing out of his mind for sure. He had a great game. I know hopefully all the doubters that people were skeptical about the pick, and there's probably people who are still skeptical about uh, his draft position just because, like you just said, people um, don't buy you that linebacker position as much as other people do. So um, I'm definitely happy for Nick, happy for him as a player. I know he had. I know he was looking to have a big game and to make an impact. Um, Willie Gay kind of had that kind of similar kind of breakout game last year versus Atlanta. I know even though that was a closer game than we wanted it to be, but that's kind of like his coming out party, like, all right, this is what I was drafted for. This is what I can do. He can make plays in a run game. So hopefully him and Willie can be that tandem for years where Willie's kind of the speedster, the cover guy, and Nick is going to get that green dot in his helmet and get accustomed to wearing that more often, and he can kind of stuff the run. So um, that was definitely a good showing for him, and hopefully that's more of things to come that we can see the rest of the year. Yeah, that's how I felt about about Willie, too. That pick was a very athletic play. But I am one of those guys that I'm still skeptical about Nick Bolton, even with the numbers, even with, like, a lot of guys lead the league in tackles or are top in the league in tackles, not because they're necessarily deserving, but because they're good tacklers on bad defenses. And that's what Nick Bolton is. I just, I, as of right now, it's really hard for me to look past his ability in pass coverage because that's where the NFL is going. It continues to go to be a more passing league every year. And so, yes, the 10, like, he's looks good because he's played the Browns, he's played the Ravens, he's played the Titans, three of the most run-heavy teams in the league, but he still grades out terribly in, in the pass game. So I still have my doubts on, on how much of, a, I guess, star he can be. I think he'll always be. I think he's he's honestly, to me at this point, He's he's Raglan 2.0. He's a little better than Reggie Raglan, but like that's essentially his strength. You know, yeah. is is being physical in the run Reggie, game. Yeah. I and I liked Reggie. I, I thought he was good, but just they're they're too weak in the pass game for me to get really excited about them. I want them to be able to do what they do well, and Nick has done that. But I need to see growth in in the other parts of his game before I'm exactly. really excited about the pick. That's why that's why most of the linebackers in the draft, the ones that usually get drafted the highest are the ones with the upside. Like you just said, like the Patrick Queens and the Kenneth Murrays and the Devin Weiss, the guys that can run, like the guys that are not only they're great tacklers, but they can move in space because like you just said, that's what the, the game in the NFL is now. It's all about space. And if guys that can move, you want to have the best athletes on the field. So if you got a guy that's a bigger size linebacker, but can still run and move like a safety, those are the linebackers that usually get drafted first. So Nick definitely um, can can play at times, but he definitely has his weaknesses that he has to improve on. And it's kind of hard for a guy to say, hey, I'm going to get faster in the NFL. Like whatever your speed is, it is what it is. So um, you just have to kind of play to his strengths. And hopefully um, we can definitely switch up the like the defense this year. And I know we didn't. I know there's been a lot of say, people saying that we probably blitz too much, and I think well we kind of have to because we can't generate any pass for us. So the blitz is kind of the only option that we have. We can't sit back and and too high all day and let teams just run it down our throat, which has unfortunately been um, what the defense has been susceptible to. Because we played, like you just said, we played Baltimore, a great rushing team, Cleveland, Tennessee. We played teams that love to run the football, and they're not going to go anywhere. So um, that's definitely one of the, uh, the themes of this year. Um, but uh, but at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do to give your defense the best shot to try to put pressure on other teams' offenses. Because right now, like you said, we're last in every category. 
teams don't respect this defense at all. They're not fearing us at all. So we have to figure out some ways to try to get stops and get guys off the field. So, Right, right. But let's go ahead and move on to, to this week's game, Monday Night Football against the New York Giants. There's going to be I, – I believe there's a Manning cast with it. You know, Eli watching his old team. So that will be kind of fun for – non-Chiefs fans. I know most Chiefs fans probably won't be, able to be tuning into it too much, but this, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. With the Chiefs schedule, this is as a must-win game as you can have it in Absolutely. week eight. And Absolutely. It's, it's uh, the Chiefs are still nine-and-a-half point favorites. I mean, there's a lot of hype around the Chiefs because the Giants are two and five. And the Giants are, you know, not as well coached and don't have as much talent. But I... <laughs> I don't feel as confident as I should about this game, and it's not it's it's not because I don't think the Chiefs can win. It's just because we forget how much of the mental side of this game is, and these guys are down mentally. Man. These guys are clearly down, struggling with the struggling there, and so I really need to see that. I don't need to see them win by thirty, but I really need to see them control the game and and you know just be that dominant force that they should be when playing a team like New York for four quarters. Now, like we said in the Washington where it was only half for four quarters, I need to see a sound clearly better football team to really start to feel confident about the playoffs being a possibility again. No facts. That, and that's kind of the, been the theme of the schedule. Like you just said, when we play the elite teams, when we struggle, when we play the, the bottom tier teams is when we usually play well, like when we play Philly, we beat them by 12. When we played DC, the game started off kind of slow, but then you still ended up winning that game by um, by more than double, more than two possessions. So, and then I was at the Cleveland win was probably the last elite team that we had a good win versus against. But yeah, when we play the bottom tier teams is when we usually uh, show show out. Hopefully, like you said, four quarters is what the goal is for every team to come out. So I expect to come out, hit them in the mouth early, and try to get a lead on them. Daniel Jones hasn't really shown the ability to um, lead, a, lead lead drives down the field for a long period of time. I know they just came off a tough a tough game versus Carolina the week before. So this is definitely a team that's been reeling. They they definitely they're decimated with injuries as well. Saquon Barkley has been put on IR. Um, I know they've been dealing with injuries to Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. Guys been in and out the lineup. I think I just heard the other day Jabril Peppers. They're starting safeties on IR. So they're dealing with a lot of injuries as well. So this is a team that we should beat. The nine and a half line showing that the Chiefs are at home. They're favored. Extra day to prepare being a Monday night. They should definitely go in there and handle their business. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you, Chris. I definitely want to see a four a four quarter game. Defense, get some turnovers. Offense, go out there, have a clean game. Please, for the love of God, Chris, no turnovers this week on offense. That's that's my goal. No turnovers. That would be <laughs> that would be incredible because this team's on pace for like 41 turnovers. And Bro, it's so crazy. How are we turning the ball over so much? We have the same team with the same players. I know like we may not be scoring as many points. Why are we giving the ball up? Like, my goodness. There was there was no off the receiver's hands or or some fluke play that happened against the Titans. All three of those two fumbles and the pick were on Patrick. So again, it, it begins and ends with the quarterback, and he needs to he needs to at least care, you know start caring for the ball a little bit more. We know that when we he was brought in that he had this kind of Brett Favre gunslinger mentality. But other than other than that first year a little bit, he's really gone away from that. So for him to return full force to that in these first seven games it's it's a little it's a little scary let's let's be real no facts that's definitely one of the big things everyone said about Brett Favre amazing arm can make every throw but he's the all-time leader in, in interceptions in NFL history so that's a stat you definitely don't want to be a part of and, and and my thing is Patrick knows these things he's a smart guy so that's just another notion that guys have to buckle, buckle down you have to focus on it hey if the throw is not yes you can make that throw but there's nothing wrong with not forcing it you don't have to make every throw so 
Um, yeah, it's just it's a decision he has to make. And, and you can kind of hear it, like, when he does these interviews during the week, he's asked the same questions over and over again. Like, why is the offense being ultra-aggressive? Why do they keep turning the ball over? And every and, all, and him, the enemy, Andy are all saying the same thing. It starts with me. We have to take care of the football. We have to value it. We have to make better decisions, and we have to be – better um better as a unit and we have to cherish the cherish the ball which is number one priority which is the football so we say these same things every week and i'm sure you're probably feeling the same way chris words are cool but you got to start putting it into action if you're going to keep saying the same things every week so right yeah i'm tired of the press conferences of them saying about how they're frustrated and embarrassed but i, I need to see some results exactly and- we're in week eight bro if you ain't doing it by yeah. now <laughs> Right, exactly. So just need, and, and I, you know, even if they go out and win 38 to seven or 38 to 10 or something like that, like it's not like I'm going to feel confident against the Packers the following week. I need to see this for an extended period of time. Absolutely. So, um, but the last thing I, I've got before we, before we make our score predictions and whatnot is I, I, on the schedule for the first time. So this is, this is a little bit of assumptions on this, assuming the Titans, Bills, and Packers all are going to win their division and the chiefs are not assuming those four things the chiefs will have seven games against first place teams this season on their schedule and you know they play the tough afc north who has four good teams i know the steelers the steelers are probably the worst of those four and they're still not a bad football team so the 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 schedule is loaded it doesn't get easier any easier from here they have the hardest remaining schedule and that's just gonna continue to go up after you get the giants off of that you know next week so it's it's still a long road. They, there's going to be a lot. Of, this is going to be the most adversity they've ever gone through because prior to this stretch, their adversity had been a quarter against the against the Texans. Is that, I mean that's really the only real exactly. adversity we've seen this team gone through is a quarter. And so this is this will be the first time this team and this group of guys has really been tested for an extended period of time. And so it's going to be interesting to see how and see how they respond. No, they're definitely in a position where. You don't want to be in this position, but unfortunately, they're going to have to have some help for some other teams. So they're going to need some teams to lose some games for them to come to come up in the rankings. Because right now, they're like the 11th seed, so they're definitely beyond the bubble looking in. Because there's teams above them like Indianapolis, who, like you said, is fighting for a wild card spot. New England, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, the Chargers, obviously. So they have some games on their schedule that are definitely every game is a big game from this point on, especially when you already have four losses. But the biggest ones I think we all would say is every game on the schedule is a big game. But the most ones would obviously be we play the Raiders two more times. We still have to play L.A. again, play Denver twice, and we still have to play the Cincinnati Bengals. So those are the AFC games you definitely must win because if you want to keep yourself afloat, you definitely can't take those AFC losses um, to your to your record. Nope, for sure. For sure. It's going to be a haul. Um, you got a score prediction for score the game prediction. Monday night? Ooh. They got us favored by nine and a half, and the over-under is as now is 52 and a half. Uh, the Giants have definitely been struggling, but that doesn't say anything against us. Um, as of right now, they said Saquon is not playing, so that'll change everything. So uh, Giants have been averaging 21. Chiefs have been averaging 31. Hmm. I'll say we always, we always play good against them. I'll say the Chiefs score 33 points, and the Giants score – 23 points. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I got 30-24. I think, I mean, the Giants are going to be able to put up some points. Me too. And the Chiefs will hopefully will too, but it really comes down to turnovers. I just can't predict them blowing out this Giants team like they should. So, yeah, me either. I, I've, got, I've got to take the, the 
I can't take the Chiefs to cover. I won't like the fact that they're getting nine and a half points is crazy to me. Even even with how bad the Giants have been this year, so no, that's 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 right. It's right on the line. That's why I'm like right there, as if like field goal at the end. But yeah, they definitely haven't covered <laughs> more. So they use the only time they use the time they only play well is when they play the teams that are lessly talented as them, like like a team like New York. So this is probably the only time I think that a spread will be that big. But yeah, usually if it was like an, a good team or a above average team, yeah, you definitely never take the Chiefs cover. When they're playing teams like that, <laughs> right? For sure, for sure. But, um, but all right. I think that's gonna do it for us this week. We appreciate you listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at tenpenny88 and CJ. Where can the good people find you and this podcast? You guys can definitely follow me on Twitter at cjz81, cjeezy81. You guys can definitely follow our Twitter page. Me and Chris are always engaging. It is at the aftermath underscore kc. You can always DM me or Chris personally, or if you want to DM our page, ask us any questions, concerns, comments, any ideas you have for the show. Me and Chris always open ideas and thoughts. Well said, my friend. Well said. But all right. Well, hoping for a Chiefs win, get back to 500, and and we can reevaluate the season from there. So, all right. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you next time. Chiefs. To the Chiefs kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!